and welcome to In the Circle podcast, an inside look at field hockey in the United States, a podcast that gets you closer to the athletes, staff, club administrators, coaches, umpires, and fans of USA Field Hockey. I'm Allie Campbell, U.S. Women's National Team athlete, and today I'm joined by Growing the Greatest Game Initiative co-creators Chrissy Summers, Megan Stocks, and Amani Ruffin. Growing the Greatest Game, or Triple G, is USA Field Hockey's partner in a new diversity, equity, and inclusion initiative. USA Field Hockey is excited to dive into this new partnership and support the Triple G campaign. Well, ladies, I am for one grateful to have had a conversation with you guys prior to this recording as a little meet and greet, if you will. And the powerful refreshingness, yeah, I just made up a new word, um, that I felt after having this conversation was overwhelmingly inspiring and encouraging. You all are some powerful women, and I'm so looking forward for the USA field hockey community to get to know you, get to know Triple G and what you guys are all about and what you're going to try to bring to the USA field hockey world. So thank you so much for joining me today. Let's get started with some intros. Amani, go ahead and tell us a little bit about how you got into the hockey world and how that has led you to where you are today. Yes, hello everyone. My name is Amani Ruffin and um, how I got into the hockey world. Well, my sister inspired me to play field hockey. I, I started when I was three years old and then I kept going. I graduated. I played at Cookstown University and graduated. And I just wanted to, um, I knew I always wanted to make a difference in, in young athletes' lives and <clears throat> encourage them mentally and physically. And, and I just, um, since then, I started Sisters with Sticks field hockey and located mainly in Morristown, New Jersey. And since then, it's just been growing. And I am super, super excited about its potential and just to continue. Great, Chrissy, go ahead and give us the 411 on you. Oh man, where does it begin? Um, so how it relates to Triple G, um, I think, you know, I've been a business owner. I've owned Beyond Sticks. Our mission is to empower young women through sport. We've been doing it for almost a decade now. Um, and it's it's been a real, I would say a blind spot for me that we are not actively and intentionally seeking inclusion and diversity in the way our organization works. And so, you know, I, I came to this realization like many of us, um, what, what was it? There's no sense of time anymore. Eight months ago, six months ago um, with the murder of George Floyd um, and Breonna Taylor and so many others. And I really looked at the, the corner of my life where I can do good and said, how can I, how can I be better? You know? And, um, I ended up linking up with, um, Amani and, and Megan, who I've known. And it's, it's really, it's been the brainchild of, of us. And, you know, we've pulled in, um, some other amazing black leadership from stepped into field hockey. So, you know, it's, it's less about me and more about these, the, the kids and the future of the sport. Awesome. And Megan, last but not least, girl, tell us about yourself. Hello. So my name is Megan Stocks. I played at the University of Richmond and then coached for a spell. And now I am back home in the Virginia Beach area. But um, growing up in the Virginia Beach area was quite a unique experience because the 
ORM or National Training Center was, or still is, about 15 minutes from my house. And yet I had never heard about field hockey. Um, parents born in, or my mom's born and raised in this area and everything else and never heard about it until I got to high school. And then our coach actually told us, he took us to a game. It was the USA series against Argentina. I had no idea the magnitude of the game and the athletes out there. And now I'm kicking myself because I'm like, I would kill to go see a Los Leonos game um, or be able to go catch a USA game, but it's a little far away. But yeah, so it was weird because hockey has grown a lot within the last decade, but at the time, we had one club team in the area and it was just exorbitantly priced, um, which I know I mean, that happens with club, but I think it was like a couple hundred just to try out. And then you have like the season fees and things and um, fell in love with the sport, wanted to play in college, but didn't really have as much access to opportunities. So after graduating and moving back home, I just wanted to change that. I wanted number one, for there to be more visibility for young black and brown girls. I wanted there to be more accessibility as far as playing opportunities that weren't necessarily club, but ways to still hone in on people's skills. And then the affordability component, because I realized in college that a lot of D1 programs had, I mean, all of these like really large budgets and they're not allowed to give that away to high schools or anything, you know, NCAA regulations and things like that. But I realized if I served as a middleman, you know, they, the colleges and institutions donate their sticks to me, then I can distribute it freely and so that kind of um, helped me to kind of create So Sports Foundation just to work on that visibility, affordability, and accessibility. And yeah, it's been fantastic. And to be able to kind of help give equipment to all these different organizations and also facilitate that as far as the GGG. Good stuff, man. All right, so let's just dive into it, shall we? Like I said in the intro, what is the Triple G Initiative. Give me your best definition. Give me your top three words that people can use to remember it by. Go ahead, hit me with the info, girls. Meg, Megan, do you want to do you want to do the honors, or you want me to do it? Yeah, or? I'll do the honors. So it's our way to measurably grow the game of field hockey. We, you know, after the talks, like Chrissy said, with um, thinking about like race within our country and then kind of looking at our sport and seeing the lack of diversity, especially in a lot of communities around America, we said we have to change that. And we wanted a way to measurably grow field hockey. We didn't want to just say, oh, you know, let's do a clinic here or there, you know, maybe reach a couple black kids or brown kids. We wanted sustainable growth because we also realized that our sport in general needs that growth. And so with our efforts, we came up with Growing the Greatest Game, which is our way to help black and brown athletes become more represented in field hockey, but also get access to all of those different resources so that they, you know, remain in the sport. They become, you know, collegiate players, umpires, college coaches, club coaches, that they see themselves and a pathway for them to remain in the game. Yeah, so I think, you know, we could just let Megan talk. She's much better at it than me, but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, I, I will say this, the, the brainchild of this, you know, it came from growth, but sustainable growth and diverse growth. And so the sustainability bit for me is the big piece of this. I've been growing the game for a decade and I've done initiatives in New York City and Washington, D.C. And the sustainability pit, the sustainability aspect is always the kicker, right? Like I don't, I don't want USA Field Hockey or any organization 
like we can go do our community service projects, which we all do, but this is not, I don't want to interpret growing the greatest game as a community service project. This is a way to get black and brown athletes in the game and keep them in the game, which means creating sustainable lifelong pipe pipelines to play. And so the big part of that is bringing in community stakeholders. And that's why USA field hockey is excited about this because it's not my club going and doing the community service project. This is saying, okay, well, let's link up with our local college and make sure we have the funding to make this sustainable and get coaches who are well-trained working with young kids and then providing, making sure that there's opportunities for those black and brown kids to play and feel welcome in our community. And that's the way that we're gonna change the way that this game looks. It has to come from seeking black and brown athletes intentionally, and then looking back on ourselves often as white members of this community and say, how are we celebrating difference and how are we welcoming difference into our community in a long-term structure? And that's what we're really looking to do. And a lot of members of our community are excited about as well. We have um, college members signed up. We've got Columbia, uh, we've got Catholic University, Shippensburg. Um, you know, there's a lot of really exciting sort of things in the works because it's not a small one-off model. It's saying, how do we all work together? Um, to make this game be better for everyone, including those who it has not been great for in the past. Yeah, and I think to further clarify that is, if you think like the analogy, like a new kid going into the cafeteria when you first go to a new school, right? There might be plenty of people who would be that child's friend or who would let them sit with them, but when you first go into the cafeteria and you don't know who to sit with, you might just sit by yourself, right? Like if you look at a table, those kids don't really look like you or they might not look as inviting or you're just not sure. And that kid might sit by him or herself, whereas, and that's kind of what it's like in field hockey right now for some black and brown athletes. I can't speak to everybody's experience. Um, I can draw on some of my own as a black woman when I was playing, but sometimes you'd walk someplace and you just, it's already awkward enough, right? When you don't know anyone there. And so we want to make this where they feel seen and they, that we extend an invitation. Cause I think a lot of times too, if you invite somebody, you open the door and you say like, come on in, you make it welcoming then they'll be more willing to participate. Great, love that. So sustainability, facilitation, and then inclusivity. Those are three words that I'm hearing repetitively, which are three powerful words that I'm gonna keep with me as I remember Triple G, um, as I continue seeing what great things you guys are doing in the USA Field Hockey community. Amani, can you talk a little bit um, around the inclusivity piece that you guys are going to help facilitate USA field hockey with? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we decided to, that in order for this to really work, we have to teach people what it means to be inclusive and what, to, and what it means to have that type of environment. And we understand the importance of meeting everyone where they're at. And so our training isn't geared towards making you feel bad. Our training is geared towards creating an awareness of where you are so that when situations arise, you know, like, oh no, 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 that's my bias coming up or, or anything, or it, it even empowers you to speak up for that type of inclusive atmosphere. You know, I've been so many places in field hockey where the moment I step into the stands, everyone is just staring at me, you know, and that, and that doesn't make me feel good, but 
to have the coaches and the athletes on board with this inclusive environment and teaching it to their athletes, like that right there is a huge ripple effect, you know, and that can resonate from the field to the stands, you know, so people that don't look like you do feel welcome, like Megan was talking about. And so our inclusivity training is, is so, 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 so critical for this to work. We really want to make sure everyone has a basic understanding of, of what things look like, what Black girls here on the field or what Black girls here on a daily basis, like for instance, um, you know, how do you get your hair like that or, or like touching a Black girl's hair, you know, that, that is a microaggression, you know, Black girls don't like that, you know, or, or saying, how can I get as dark as you in the summer? I want to be as tan as you in the summer. Like that's a microaggression. That's offensive. You know, so it's educating everyone on those small things that may seem small to them, but it's big to the person on the receiving end. So you mentioned meeting people where they are. How important is that for the inclusivity training for people to acknowledge that, to be okay with being vulnerable and saying, you know, I'm not where I need to be and I want to get better. How important is that for them to acknowledge where they are and their willingness to grow? That's a really good question. Um, that awareness is the first step, but we also understand that this is a journey, right? Like no one can be expected to change their mindsets or behaviors in a week, in a, in a month, or even a year. It is a journey and it's a process. And for those people that are on that journey, my only um, point of encouragement for you is just to be gracious to yourself. We all deal with biases and we all deal with things that are, are, are not right. We're all growing. We're all a work in process. And there will be times where you slip up. But the fact that you are aware of your slip up is a growth, is a growth mindset right there. That means that you have now, you're now in a position to grow and to empower yourself to help change and to empower the next generation and to empower your, your kids that are on the field. And so, like I said, my takeaway is be, be patient with yourself, understand that you're on this journey, understand that it's gonna take some time, but also know that we're here to support you through this. So well-spoken, I love it. It's just so calming and just so empowering to hear you speak, Imani, and all you all, all you girls. and. I think Imani's this good. Imani's good though. We'll, we'll give you that. <laughs> yeah. When she talks, you're like, you are all good, but man, she strikes a good nerve in this heart of mine. And I just love hearing her speak. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so how, what is your guys, we we're hearing a lot of maybe quote unquote, short term, middle term kind of goals, possibilities, implementations. What, do you hope to see Triple G in the long-term facilitate for the USA Field community? So I, th I think uh, Megan can probably take that long-term question. I just wanted to go back quickly to, I think we're talking sort of like really big picture, 10,000 foot view, but like what is the nuts and bolts of what GGG does? Like what service does it provide? And, um, you know, our short-term goals, which again is a moving target because there's this thing called a pandemic that, just like continues to happen. And uh, <laughs> we all keep thinking it's going to be over and then it's not. So, you know, our, you know, we initially founded this idea and I think it was like me shooting the breeze with Megan. And I was like, well, let's get a thousand black kids playing by the end of 2021. And Megan 
Megan never tells me no. She's always like, great idea. Let's, let's do it. Let's do it, Chrissy. Let's do it. And I was like, are you encouraging me in this idea? And Megan's like, yeah, girl. So I'm like, okay. And I'm like, you know, making this big proposal. This is literally how it happened. So, you know, and then, you know, we pull Imani in and Sisters with Sticks in. But so what does GGG do is our job is to fill in the gaps for these programs that um, want to run. We're not the gardener. Like we can provide the seeds. We can provide the, you know, the fertilizer. Um, we can help provide manuals and support and like come in and help troubleshoot. But we're not the gardener of the program. So there's actual you know, local individuals on the ground running um, programs typically for eighth graders and below for majority black and brown kids. So we really like to focus on targeting communities that are diverse communities and running, you know, anything from a, a free clinics that lead into a six week program that can then get funneled into a club program. And that can be supported by a club program, by a high school or by a collegiate facility. But there needs to sort of be a director who is the gardener of that program. And that is not GGG. What GGG can do is sort of the power of the three entrepreneurs here combined is Megan can provide, uh, So Sports has an amazing equipment, donation, refurbishment program. And so those needs and that sort of barrier to entry can uh, be taken down by Megan. Um, I have a history of running programs for youth sports so I can provide assistance in there and greasing the wheels. And then Amani, as she was saying, can do the inclusion training, the sensitivity training. So when you're working with, you know, what is typically not a normal field hockey population, we are still creating a program that builds and continues to sustain joy. Um, and so that is what we do, but we are not I just came up with this metaphor, so it might not work. We're not the gardener, <laughs> you know, we, we're not the long-term gardener, okay? We're just, we're, we're just there. So we need our communities. And I think most of us who are in field hockey want to do this, we wanna see it happen. Um, and that work happens on the local level. So, you know, our short-term goal is to get more of these programs, provide the encouragement, lower the barriers so that they can run successfully. Um, you know, and then I think Megan, we were having a chat earlier, Megan really put it succinctly, like what is, what do we see long-term for this? Yeah, so long-term, honestly, we want to go away, right? We don't want the Growing the Greatest Game initiative to be around forever. We want field hockey to be a representative of the American population as, you know, track or as um, soccer or, or any of those sports where you can walk around and see people from different backgrounds, different cultures, speaking different languages, all of that. I mean, if you look at field hockey on the global game, you know, as a national team member, you can play against people from Argentina. There's the Germans, there's the Dutch. I mean, it really is a global game and that's what we want to see here. So we want it to get to the point where these programs are so sustainable and they're able within their own communities to really start these grassroots programs because within hockey, our grassroots programs are very sporadic. You know, I think Pennsylvania does really well with them. New Jersey, basically the Northeast where the concentration of field hockey is a lot better. I mean, like I said, even in this area, we have, I mean, seen so many new clubs come through. I think we're up to like maybe five now in this Virginia Beach area where the regional training center is. It's still a hub for a lot of USA events but there's still no developmental program in Chesapeake. There's, I've just started some in Norfolk, which has been great, um, all the reception and everything, but we wanna get to the point where you have rec soccer, you have rec basketball, you have you know 
all of these different recreational programs where kids can test out field hockey. And that's where we're hoping that the GGG can help to initiate that by people coming in and they're starting these programs within their community that we go away. So in the future, instead of them saying, oh, let me email, you know, growing the greatest game, I can just hit up Megan at So Sports and say, hey, do you have some extra equipment? Sure. Or, you know, if they ever need possibly some just additional training for new staff members, they can email Sisters with Sticks and Amani. But we we want our this initiative to sort of kind of die out within the next couple of years because everyone else has kind of taken on that onus to say, you know what, we need to impact our own community. We live here, we work here, we play here. So we need to be the ones growing it wherever we are. So the work has begun, right? Over these past few months, you guys are, obviously we're all quarantined, we're in different places, we're all individually by ourselves, but you guys have been working behind the scenes still trying to make things happen. So the work has begun. How do we continue the work? I know the pandemic throws a little bit of a twist on it, but how do we continue the work once the work has started? I actually think that this is a pretty ideal time um, as, <laughs> as oxymoronic as it might sound. And the reason I say that is because I just mentioned how I started programs this past year. So I'm also a collegiate official I do stuff for USA Hockey and I absolutely adore umpiring. I love it so much, but my day job is a teacher. And so this fall, well, when the first shutdown, at least in Virginia occurred, that was a Friday the 13th in March, we had just had our interest meeting for field hockey, like, cause I coach at my middle school the previous day. And so the parents were emailing me in August cause we go back right after Labor Day in September. And they were like, are you going to do anything this fall? And I'm like, do what guys like I'm gonna go teach and sit in my house we're shut down and they're like no like sports because in Virginia I mean it stays hot until gosh almost like December we've had 60 degrees Christmases and stuff and so I said I mean if I think there's interest sure so it was me and a mom and then like word of mouth moms are the greatest ever I mean that's honestly who we need to have for our marketing but the moms put it out there and we had about 50 yeah, right. Like we had a little over 50 girls, but it was amazing because it was like an even split between elementary and middle school. And if there's one thing that I know, I don't have children, but I know everyone is sick of everyone else. Like I know kids are sick of being indoors. The ones who are learning online, they are sick of that. Um, I know the parents, you know, if anybody who's working remotely and even having to go in, everybody is just kind of hitting their limit and they're mentally exhausted as well as physically exhausted. And so I think being able to go outside and play around, that's what people are gonna be looking for. So I actually think right now, this sort of stayed period where we're still you know, kind of working things out, people are gonna be more interested in this just because it's something to do. Like parents are gonna want their kids to be in something social or want their kids to be in something that's physical and stimulating in a way from them. I mean that in the best way possible. So. I agree with that remark and maybe resemble it. Chrissy, tell me about being at home with your kids. Don't you love it? No, I do. Stop. I do love my children. Come on, Megan. Don't go no, no, just, I got the no. Megan's totally right. So this is why we started it. Because see how Megan hypes people up? This is why This is why it's happening. Because Megan's like, it's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. It's great. Everything. No, it's, it's not like fake positivity, though. I think Megan's totally right on this. Like, it's... The work is all the pre-planning and the work is a lot of connecting the dots. And yeah, things are, we have all learned to work on different timelines than we are used to. Um, but 
like the the desire and the the want is there and if we wait until we can play and don't have the back end logistics we're going to sort of miss that opportunity where kids are going to be really hyped and so um you know i do think the work is a lot of the work is now and it's i always say like the more work you put in on sort of i always call it the boring back end the more fun the fun front end can be because you're not doing them at the same time so but yeah. two i will say that most people that we've spoken to as far as those wanting to start their site or volunteer to site the biggest hindrance right now is just space and it's because they're either at a school like a lot of our colleges they're like we can't do anything because the university you know COVID. but were it not for this a lot of people are just ready to go like if we were able to start maybe within a couple weeks i mean the equipment can be sent and everything else people would be running programs so i think that's pretty inspiring because a lot of it is just something that we can't control obviously COVID and the virus but it's just like those little pieces but once you know numbers start to decline maybe restrictions get let up by the states these programs will be underway um we just had a call last week where like for the summer program it's already set so we're going to be shipping out equipment to them actually this weekend tomorrow to be exact and it's just so exciting because so many people have just bought into this and they want to get started so it's definitely been uh, slowing the process COVID and being inside um, but for good reasons you know to keep everybody healthy but I'm excited for when we can go back outside because it's like we're going to hit the ground running so that's pretty exciting and then the best part is for the colleges who are going to be able to play they, we're going to be able to say to these kids hey you know because a lot of our colleges we try and find a collegiate partner to just help facilitate that pipeline so they can get connected with collegiate athletes they can see you know what is beyond high school sports or you know, even giving them the idea, okay, I can attend college, but I can also continue playing the sport. So then they can go catch their game. So I'm pretty excited for uh, um, the spring and when the weather warms up and everything. Controlling what you can control. Is that not like the phrase of 2020? And then continuing, at least 2021, right? Is it even, oh my gosh, I don't even know what day it is. 2021 is the hangover. Is January is such a long, like this is the longest month, I think, since like last March when we first went into shutdown. Like last March lasted, I think, 100 days. And this month. Right. We got through that year, January. Right. Like, like this month is starting to feel like a year in and of itself, but um, in good ways, you know, in good ways. So it is pretty exciting. And I love it because what what's so great is even through all of this, the field hockey community is still rallying around this cause. I mean, we were just on a Zoom last night for the anti-racist field hockey working group, which actually was the first way that Chrissy and I got connected. Um, like she said, after uh, the events of last summer, the, the racial tensions and everything, we and we just hopped in on Zooms and all these different coaches came in. And then from there, it's when we started about growing the greatest game and everything. And they're still having, so we broke off into subcommittees. There's um, grassroots, which I helped to lead. There's coaches education. Um, Chrissy, which other one am I missing? Grassroots, coaches education, um, a few others, but they're still meeting regularly. I wanna say in the coaches education meeting last week, there had to be like over 30 coaches. And this is people taking away from their lunchtime, from like whatever free moment they can to hop on a Zoom to talk about race within the sport, to talk about how we can be better allies and we can be better um, just coaches to our athletes and within the community. So that's still really inspiring that, I mean, it's been what, six, seven months since a lot of the 
the catalyst, I will say, behind this has occurred, and yet it's still going strong. And I mean, since since that time, I mean, what can you do? Since that time, also, the Black Field Hockey Network has formed, and they've done so much good, and Megan is a part of that, and, you know, they've had some really great influence on the NFHCA, which I'm on the board of. So, you know, I mean, there's things you can do outside of Triple G. I mean, within Triple G, for if you want to be part of this as a college program, you know, you can get in touch and we sort of find, help you find a local program. If you're a club and you want to get involved, um, you know, that's where you get in touch and we help sort of grease these wheels. I always say my superpower is cold calling people. <laughs> um, you know, and we've worked with Megan on how do we really look at targeted community partners? Because something else that happens and when you're in COVID and when you're not in COVID, if you're not part of a community, you can come in. You know, if I'm not part of the Philly, Philadelphia and I come in, I live on the main line and I come in, people are like, who is this girl, right? But when you work with a community partner, you know, we're working with um, having some really good conversations with icons in Philly, you know, they have a network of, of young people who are excited and willing to help out. So, you know, I think for clubs, it's finding that local community partner for colleges. It's a similar thing. Um, and for individuals, you know, I have to be honest, like what, what it comes down to is for these things to be sustainable. If it's not something where you can give your time or you're part of a program, like you giving up a latte this week and donating it to triple G through so sport foundation, like that's going to make a difference. That's going to buy. Yeah, we have equipment, but like we're not giving kids use, use shin guards. We're not giving kids use mouth guards, obviously. So, you know, those sorts of things use, Megan thinks that's very funny to use mouth guard. Um, you know, these things cost, they, they, they cost money. And so I think that that, you know, and also I always think there's a piece of pride in it too. Like having a kid show up and you give them a really cool penny and they have a stick and they have a shin guard. And, you know, we have postcards made where we have colleges college athlete, write inspirational notes to these kids, like that's going to keep them coming back. And that's the little things over a decade I've realized keeps kids coming back, builds a lot of joy. So, you know, if you're, if you're a college and club program, there's things you can do. If there's an individual, there's things you can do. And I would say that kids are going to be looking for something too. Like I said, I'm an educator. And last week we had one of our newsletters published and our principal highlighted essays or just like mini journals that the kids had done just explaining their time in quarantine during COVID and what it's been like and some of them were a little rough to read I mean you could just hear kids they were saying how they've been um, more closed off to their families or some were shy and you know they internalized a lot of things there were like one or two who said you know that it helped them kind of get their work done but for the most part kids were just the mental health piece of this. Um, kids are really, it's hitting them hard, you know, like they're in middle school, they're 12, 13 years old, some even younger, and they don't know how to navigate this. They don't understand why they can't see their friends or go trick-or-treating or, you know, go hang out to birthday parties and stuff. And so I think that's going to be what's really cool about this is that when people are giving, whether monetarily or otherwise, that this is going to have a lasting impact, I think more so than a lot of other initiatives. Yeah, so with this initiative and how much on the ground stuff you guys are doing, you're able to partner with USA Field Hockey, who has a big platform, a big database of clubs, coaches, athletes, just regional 
uh, field hockey related things. What's that partnership going to be like? Do you, can you project or predict to us or tell us a little more about that partnership? Well, you, you know, USA Field Hockey's already donated um, thousands of dollars worth of equipment, um, which is ready to go. And King Megan has that, correct? Yes. yes. I'll be sending some of that out this weekend as well. Megan's UPS man really likes her. <laughs> Insert heavy sarcasm. Um, you know, USA Field Hockey's already provided equipment. Um, you know, a big piece of it is, again, what I always go back to is like the boring stuff that really matters. So it's the safety stuff. It's making sure our coaches are um, safe sports certified. It's making sure there's um, insurance that works for every site. It's making sure that every kid, you know, we talk about measurability, like making sure when we're doing res registration, we are sensitively and appropriately recording demographic data, you know, Right now, the only data we have on demographics is at the NCAA level. You can go look that up and it ain't great for USA Field Hockey, right? So how are we gonna, how can you measure the change we make when we don't even know what our starting point is? So I think that we are working with USA Field Hockey on that and they sort of have that backend infrastructure set up. And so that is gonna be crucially important to running safe sites and ensuring that we are measuring our success in ways that matter. Yeah, that administrative piece is so crucial. Like I, I wish I had known some of that before I started some of my initiatives and my nonprofit is like, you don't realize how much like desk time you really have to spend or how much you have to look up stuff. Or like she said with insurance that just alleviates a lot of stress and is gonna want, is going to invite more people to actually host a site so they don't have to worry about so many things. So we're very excited for this partnership with them. They've been fantastic, still continuing to ship stuff to us and helping us to cut those costs because, you know, we fundraise and we would love for all of the money to go to each and every site, but, you know, shipping sticks, we all know field hockey sticks are those awkward lengths. They require the boxes or goalie gear or any of that stuff. It just gets to be a little cumbersome. So they have definitely been very helpful in helping to facilitate all those administrative things. Awesome. Well, I know I'm looking forward to seeing this partnership flourish and really just grow the greatest game, you know? What you exactly know, what you called. <laughs> you know, my husband took issue to this. He was a baseball player. He's like, babe, you know hockey's not the greatest game. And I was like, get out of here. Get yeah. I was like, one, you could have told me that before I labeled it, you know, but no. it was like, I was like, my colleagues beg to disagree. So, you know, I think we'll get you guys out there. I mean, our hope is, you know, people like you, Allie, and your team are so inspiring, right? And I'm, I'm an old lady now, like, I'm not cool. Megan's still cool, right? She knows it. Look at her face. Okay. But, you know, I've learned this, that getting national team athletes. And that's why getting college athletes in, in front of these kids is inspiring. You know, you can't be what you can't see. I mean, which is why we want visibility of black coaches and more black coaches as part of this, but we also want our national team athletes and college athletes to kind of stretch themselves and become coaches at this young level because you're the cool kids, right? Like kids play because they want to be you. And the power of that does not escape me when I see the way they look at you guys and the way they don't look at me like that anymore. <laughs> so, you know, we, we need you guys, we need you. So thinking about facilitating, thinking about 
donating, thinking about jumping right into inclusivity training, thinking about all the great things you guys are offering with your partnership with USAPLACI. Where can I go to access that? Where can I go to get in contact with you guys? So you can visit the website that we have established. It is www.growingthegreatestgame.com, spelled exactly how it sounds, all of those words. Again, growingthegreatestgame.com. All the information is up there. Our emails, um, I'll just link you there because it'd be too much to try and go through Instagram. But for those who might be already familiar with this initiative and you already know our organizations, if you find us on Instagram too, you can just message us and we will get you connected and yeah, get you started on that, that route. Awesome. And don't worry, everybody, if you weren't quick enough to grab a pen, we'll have that um, for sure linked along with this podcast so that you're able to get involved in whichever way you see fit. Chrissy, Amani, Megan, thank you guys so much for taking the time to talk about growing the greatest game. Triple G. I feel like Guy Fieri when he's like Triple G. But I, I love it. Right our theme song now. I love food and I love field hockey. So I feel like those oh. are two like definite, really, really positive things that I'm always I'm gonna remember. I'm never mm-hmm. gonna forget the name. Um, again, a refreshing conversation, a promising conversation. And I'm just looking forward to seeing how this partnership's just gonna, like I said before, flourish and just be so great for our athletes, our coaches, umpires, everybody in this USA Field Hockey community. So I thank you guys for all the work you're doing. Well, thank you, Allie. And we are, we are looking forward to bringing a new patch of kids to your national team games very soon so as soon as you get you guys get back out on the field we'll be ready to cheer you on with the new crop so we look forward to sending a hand both ways yeah and thank you so much for this opportunity to to continue sharing the message and to get people involved we really appreciate it because you guys have always backed our cause and always helped supported us thank you girls